I love my home. I do. I love it so much. But I also love vacationing. I work a lot. And sometimes it, it bothers me to think how often I'm not actually there to enjoy it. I mean, whether I'm going on a fun vacation with Justin or traveling to New York for work, there's big chunks of time that I don't get to relish that sofa I pined so hard to buy or bake cookies that I can make with my stand-up mixer that I got for Christmas. And I realize there is a way that I might feel better. If I became an Airbnb host, I could make use of the space when I'm away and make some extra cash. I mean, my next vacation could essentially pay for itself. Like my extra Airbnb cash could go into an account for that trip to Paris I've been pondering. And then basically the trip is free. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, I know that's not technically how math works, but okay. Also, if we're saving money hosting, this means I could do some shopping, right? And the weather is also very nice in Paris at this time of the month. And I just feel like it might be, okay, you know what? I'm going to talk to Justin about this. Um, thank you for letting me share this epiphany with you. I appreciate it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Jesse. Today on the show, activist, author, founder of Javian Hair, Jonathan Van Ness. I am a very spiritual person. I actually really do think Jesus is pretty cool. I'm not even sure if I'm not Christian. I don't know. I mean, I went to Christian sports camp every summer. I've accepted Jesus into my heart lots of times. So, like, on Judgment Day, like, if it goes down, y'all are fucked. I'm totally going to heaven because, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'll forgive, my, he'll, like, forgive my sins or whatever. Like, This is Dinner's On Me, and I'm your host, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Waiting for Jonathan Van Ness to arrive for dinner was like waiting for Santa Claus to arrive. Not only was I already a fan of their work and advocacy, but we shared a handful of friends who always told me how much Jonathan and I would get along. I can't believe you've never met JVN. You two are going to love each other was something I was told on multiple occasions. In preparation for our conversation, I learned just how deep and wise Jonathan is. Their evolution is wildly inspiring to me, and their knowledge and passion around queer rights is downright humbling. The best part is that all of this is delivered in a package that has made Jonathan a beloved public figure. They are hilarious, deep, and full of self-love and self-awareness. I knew my dinner with Jonathan was going to be a wild ride, and I was buckled in and ready to go. Hi! How are you? I invited JVN, as his friends apparently call him, to Bad Roman off Columbus Circle. You'll have to Google this place because it's visually amazing. It's like a very whimsical and sexy acid trip. There's neon, there's statues, there's a green marble bar. Oh, and on top of all of that, delicious food, of course. Given Jonathan is such an effervescent person who lives their life in full color, I just felt this was the perfect spot for us to have a conversation. So wait, you live in Texas. I do, but I live between here and Texas. Okay. Yeah, Austin's really cool and green. I love Austin. It's like so cool. I didn't know that it was that pretty, Mm -hmm. you know? A little bit slower pace. Yes, and and exactly. And I was like, really, like after being in LA and New York for 10 years and then like becoming myself publicly, like it was really good for my nervous system to like take a little off the fastball. And then I just like come here for work, you know? What's it like actually living there? No, it's really been like a conundrum because it was not 
Not that it was like a queer utopia when I arrived there in March of 2020, but it's we hadn't seen like such a meteoric rise in like anti-trans and anti-queer legislation. Mm -hmm. And it really has been weird. I make this analogy a lot in my life and I don't know what's wrong with me, but you know Dante's peak with Pierce Brosnan and that one like you okay. (laughs) Like remember when like he makes the analogy of like you put the boiling like frog in like the boiling. It's like that's I've been there getting boiled to death. So I feel like when I leave, Mm. I'm like oh, I really, like, notice it. But it is really bad. I don't think that a lot of my coastal peers understand necessarily how bad it is. Hi. Hi. Oh, my God, I'm obsessed with you. (laughs) Come on with your two gorgeous berets up. Oh, my God, there's more than two. There's there's four. Good for you, honey. So these are Minnie's Welcome to Bad Roman. Do we drink alcohol on this podcast? Yeah, if you want. It is kind of like late in the afternoon, you know? These are the cocktails if you want. I think I already know what I'm going to get. What are you going to get? I thought my whole life I hated martinis. My whole life I've been walking around like, being like, oh, I fucking don't like those. Like, I don't like all that stuff. So it turns out they're amazing. And I just needed to get them with a twist, not olives. Oh, okay. Um, I do a twist. Mm -hmm. I don't like it dirty. And then I like it Mm. really, really cold. And then like without the ice chunks on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so how like, I like it. stirred, not shaken. I don't know what the difference is, and I explain that whole thing every time I've been ordering it since June of this year, <laughs> since I got into martinis. Do you ever, like, find yourself telling the same story over and over and you can't help it? My husband's like, you told me this literally this morning. Uh, so it's not just me? No. Uh, I think it's, like, me just getting old. Not me loving the story. <laughs> um, my ADHD and intrusive thoughts are winning, and I don't, I'm scared <laughs> to ask because I don't want you to be like, girl, I've been doing that for 10,000 years, and then I put myself on Friend Street from not wicking you before I got here. But, like... Have you ever? Are you ever a stand-up queen? No, I mean I love. I love. By the way, both Margaret Cho and Ina Harvey say hello uh, to you. I said I was going to be sitting I down with you. I love Margaret so much. I know much. you do. I know you do. I would like literally like. I, I would do anything for her. Like I would be Speaking her Kevin Costner. Like I love her yeah. so much. She's the one who told me that I was meant to be a stand-up. Oh really? I literally almost shit my pants. Do you know what I said? She was like, girl, you're meant to be a stand-up comedian. And without missing a beat, I said, I was meant to be your hairdresser. Are you living back in LA now? Because Dropped a Diva had just finished. <laughs> and she was like my first like celebrity client. And she was also like the first comedian that I ever like really idolized. Yes, me too. So important. I love her so much. So important. But yeah, you, but I Trailblazer. Like, I have not done stand-up comedy myself. Do you I've ever yearn? Like do I ever yearn to do stand-up comedy? No, not really. I mean, I do theater. And so I did like a one-man show on Broadway that uh, was basically kind of felt like stand-up comedy. It basically it was just is. me. Yeah, but I mean, you know, playing characters and like oh, that's kind not. of yeah. But it could dialects. be Oh. Yeah. But that could all be in services of jokes. I feel like you could be like that like HBIC of comedy who just like comes in and is like, actually, yeah. look what's been in here all along. I love that you're doing it. I'm obsessed I, with I, it. I'm so excited to order a drink. <laughs> You know what you want. You definitely yes, know what you want. I already want. talked about it, and I'm so excited to talk about it again. Are you ready? <laughs> Can I have like that? Like, I would love a martini with a twist. I'm gonna have the phony Negroni, Ooh. a mocktail. Pretty, pretty, honey. Thank Take you. Thanks, honey. Um, wait. So tell me, you were talking about Texas? Oh yeah, Texas. I forgot. Let's go to something serious. So, uh, yeah. So it's really been interesting being there. I do feel like. I kind of have been getting there, getting boiled, but I feel like this, it's like a long game. It's not Mm, a short game. Absolutely. Reminds me a lot of Georgia, you know? Like 15 years ago, no one would have said that Georgia would have elected like two Democratic senators and then delivered a Democratic president to the country. So it's a long game. So that's what I tell myself, but I do miss my friends in LA and New York and... I miss living in a state where I don't feel like the legislator is specifically trying to make 
my life and people mm-hmm. like me's life harder and like less welcome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's gotta be taxing on just the psyche. I mean, I, I'm from New Mexico and Justin and I, we were fighting for marriage equality. We went to a few different states to meet with you know people who are opposed to marriage equality. And it's always that thing where you're having this like very personal conversation with them. You're giving a face to this thing that you're hoping will be pushed through. And there's such kindness there. And then you turn around and then votes go the other way against mm. against this thing you've just basically asked for. Like what gives? And it's heartbreaking. So, I mean, do you, how do you take care of yourself in, in Texas when, when things get like that? <laughs> I mean, like you, my husband has very nice eyes. Yeah. So when I'm really stressed, I look into his eyes and I'm like, uh-huh. And then, no, but it really is him. Friends, family, also it's like hope. Yeah. And also, I grew up in Illinois, which is obviously like we have Chicago, thank God. But where I'm from is this county called Adams. And it's like five hours southwest of Chicago. And actually, like where I'm from, like voted for Trump. I think the exit polls in 2020 were three to one. Wow. So very rural, very conservative. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, I'm quite used to the like environment. I know how to like survive, I guess. But I do feel different living in Texas Mm -hmm. as far as like I typically don't find myself wearing like heels to dinner because I feel like there's like a better chance I'm going to have to run. Right. Like like, in New York, like I'm much more comfortable to like wear what I want to wear in Texas. I'm a little bit like I think twice. I think about like where am I going to be like getting in and out of the cars or like parking close to like that safe space or is there like blocks between you and the safe space? Mm -hmm. And that is even in Austin. So, and obviously, like, hate can happen anywhere. And I do think that we live in a more radicalized climate. And it happens anywhere. But I I do feel more aware of it in Austin. I'm listening to your book right now. You're not. Yeah, I love, I love, love, love when the author reads their own books. Because it's just, first of all, it's it's so unabashedly you. And then hearing you tell your story is really moving. But you were pretty much, as a kid, very secure with yourself and very comfortable with your flamboyancy at a young age, certainly more so than I was. I think I've always been like a very non-binary queen, even before I had like words for it. So I think it's really possible to be like maybe really secure with aspects of yourself and at the same time still dealing with like self-loathing, like, you know, internalized homophobia, transphobia, whatever. I mean, and so feels like I was really born, you know, like this, like I loved evening gowns. Michelle Kwan was my hero only (laughs) after, you know, Christy Yamaguchi retired. (laughs) And also as a child, I thought I really wanted to be famous as well. Like I was like, but I don't, I can't sing or dance or figure skate. So how... How's a talentless me going to nail this? I don't understand. But whenever I went to the mall, I was like, made sure to really look cute in case a talent scout like got me. (laughs) But it was really this idea of like, I had dreams. I had goals. The universe told me like those were not for me. And then I kind of let those go. And then they ended up kind of coming back to me. Like my dreams came true, which has been really an exciting space to be in. Which it feels to me. Hi. Oh, that looks so delicious. Thank you. Yeah, I guess you really, it does have to be more mocktail for you because, like, I'm a guest. I maybe wouldn't get, like... I can keep us on the on the track. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to, like, yeah. fully drink on this. <laughs> I love it so I much. I feel so safe in your, like, arms. I'm very happy that you feel safe. Tell us everything. Yes. Curated a menu. Mm. Curate the shit out of this experience. Yes, curate it. So I will be bringing a garlic vodka. It's a roasted Ooh, nice. little loaf made out of pistachio filled with fresh herbs. Oh, my God. A spicy gem Caesar salad. Yeah. So a classic Caesar with shaved Calabrian chili right on top. Wheat for you. We are going to send some oysters with a cherry pepper mignonet, as well as a chicken scarpiello rigatoni for your main course. Just get a vibrio so you don't fuck with the oysters. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you are going to get the lobster pasta. Two pound lobster with a Calabrian chili vodka sauce pasta in the middle. Amazing. Thank you. 
Wow. I, but I was gonna say, well, what I was gonna say, what brought you your success is that great authenticity that you, you embraced about yourself. As someone who wasn't able to be super authentic as Honey. a kid. I know, well, no, but I had to grow into that. I was just, um, and I would love to hear like more about your childhood. I mean, and like what kind of friends you had as a kid. I mean, yeah, I'm a survivor of sexual abuse. I like come from a very like conservative space with a very like well-known family. I come from like a, broad, like my family owned like a broadcasting company that had like TV stations, newspapers and radio stations. So like growing up was a, even though things were hard, I remember at that time is this like very queer kid who like answered to faggot and who was like surviving sexual abuse and like having all these like, and, you know, having eating disorders and like really dealing with some heavy stuff. I remember thinking like it could be a lot worse. Right. Like I was never like couldn't like have a roof over my head. I knew I was going to like have food and like and other kids did have it worse in other ways. And I would like so I do think that there was an intrinsic part of me that was like always knew if I could get out of there mm -hmm. and that I would get out of there. Yeah. See, I was weird. Like, it was good and it was bad. And I, I, so much of my stand-up is about, like, duality. And I think about duality a lot. Some of your best memories can live right next door to your, like, worst and hardest. But they don't have to invalidate each other. So I really have, like, a much, like, warmer place in my heart for looking mm -hmm. on my childhood than I think I did when I was, like, just leaving there. Right, right. Mm, what's happening? What's coming here? This one looks gorgeous. We have the roasted garlic babka. That here. looks delicious, you guys. Roasted garlic babka. She's the most beautiful, crunchy-looking bread right now, what you guys. What a sweet little loaf we have. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, talk to me a little bit about the evolution of you becoming non-binary. That was like a was that something that always was a, a, like a definition you were searching for? No, it's just something that I definitely always was and am. It's really when I met my friend Alok, who is, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Alok, but they're one of the most incredible poets, comedians, writers, producers, thought leaders, just like one of my favorite people of all time. Um, and they were really the one who taught me about what non-binary is. Once they explained to me what that was, I was like, oh, I've, that's exactly, but everyone has a kind of like a different experience with like their non-binary identity. Mm -hmm. Non-binary and like gender diverse expressions have existed for thousands and thousands of mm -hmm. years on every single continent. Okay. So that's very true. But I, it wasn't something that I was necessarily searching for, but I do think, especially because I'm also someone who's dealt with sexual compulsivity, which can happen a lot of times when you're a survivor of sexual abuse, like everyone deals with their abuse in like different ways. and. For me, it made me like really just an absolute hussy for a long time. Like I just was fucking everything that Listen, wasn't tied down. Wrong with being a hussy. Not at all. But you know, when you're doing things that you regret yes. and that you aren't in control of, that's, that's not like so that's healthy. that's yes. for me where like the that's kind of and so for me I found that like really any sort of, of my feminine expression was such a repulsion to men that like I really banished that part of myself as I came into my twenties because I was like, oh my god, if I want these dudes to, you know, it's like my lisp was all that they could handle. So right. I had to like hide my heels, hide my wigs, mm. hide my makeup. I always had it like hidden in a little bit of my closet. I remember like this one trick found my shoes and I was like, oh, my sister with huge feet. <laughs> my sister with my huge footed sister with bad taste <laughs> no. was here. With bad taste. Yeah, with bad taste. Cause she shops at Payless. It's the only place that has <laughs> shoes big enough for her big ass feet, you know? Uh, so yeah, like it just was like a more shameless place. And then I realized like once a number of people I had sex with got like a comma in it and I had been to like rehab a few times, I realized that I was like, oh, like, sacrificing like who I am to like have this like 
fleeting connection that actually makes yeah. me feel worse about myself isn't worth it. Like, I don't want to sacrifice myself anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I got to this place of, like, healing and therapy. That was, like, in my, like, mid to late 20s. And really, I didn't still have the language for what non-binary meant, but just uh, didn't feel like I, I never, like, edited myself for, like, dating or sex ever again. Right. Right. Well, I still, like, don't try to shit or fart in front of my husband, and we've been married for, like, three years. No, seriously. And in fact, when we're on, like, the plane together, if I'm sitting next to him, like, I'm like, I wonder if you can feel the vibration of a fart, like, through the seats. Like, I usually might not smell, you know, but I do, I try to keep a little, like, a lure, a little plane, mystery. there's so many people to blame. Like, yeah, because it's not it me. It was not me. I always so naturally bring up shit and puke and, like, poop, like, when I'm eating. It's such a Midwestern thing. I don't know what's wrong with me. I always do it. It's a total problem. It doesn't bother me, really. Me either. You have to try this. Oh, no, this no, no, no. is no, you're so warm right. and delicious. I never like tried to deny. Um, you've actually been somebody I've, I've been desperate to meet for a while, and I know some of your your friends and your castmates. Obviously, Margaret's a friend of mine. Um, Anthony works out next to me at my gym here in New York. How S10. do you get anything done, honey? How does he get any? How do I get anything done? I know right? that's what I mean. Like he's just like. Mm. I've been really dying to meet you, and so this is Likewise. so exciting. For and me. thank you for having me. Of course, no. of course. Now for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, I'll talk to Jonathan about how they discovered their love for hair and their love for Joe Biden. Okay, be right back. Sometimes when I've had a long day, honestly, the last thing I want to do is think about what to eat, even though I I love to cook. I mean, sometimes, let's just face it, we don't want to spend the time figuring out the ingredients, the recipe, going to the grocery store, And then you got to face the cleanup. That's when Factor comes in. I just pop one of their delicious meals in the microwave for two minutes and voila, I have a restaurant quality meal. I personally like to plate it and make it look pretty. And I tell myself, wow, look at this beautiful pork shop you just threw together. I love that Factor is flexible with my lifestyle. I can cater it to my dietary needs. Like, let's say I'm leaning vegetarian one month or keto the next And I can change how many meals I get week to week to fit my schedule. I seriously look forward to the Tuesday delivery date in that Factor box on my doorstep. So why not give it a try? Head to factormeals.com slash dinners50 and use code dinners50 to get 50% off. That's code dinners50 at factormeals.com slash dinners50 to get 50% off. I love what I do. I also love the idea of not doing it one day, but it's getting harder to know the best way to move forward into the future towards retirement. We hear about inflation, rate hikes, the changing market, got to get the kids through college, build an emergency fund, and then there's retirement. Here's where Fidelity comes in. Fidelity can help you find clarity in saving for the future, even as your path and priorities evolve. How? Well, they'll help you create a free personalized plan that adapts as your priorities change. They'll also show you what's called timely insights, small tips on ways to save and invest to help meet your goals. And you can monitor your plan so you stay on target. The future's coming and so's retirement. Fidelity can help you take it on your way. Learn more at fidelity.com future. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE SIPC. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. 
Talk to me a little bit about, obviously you knew you wanted to do hair. You had this obsession with hair. You were good at it. Did you do your own hair? Did you do your mom's hair? Was it? It was her Barbie's hair. Barbie's hair. I fucked up her like original 1960s Barbies so bad. Amazing. She was so pissed, uh, rightfully so. And I'm not even a doll person, but just right. more of like a don't fuck up my collectibles person. Wait, do you have siblings? Yeah, I'm the youngest of four. Okay. You guys, I just made a weird mouth noise. I felt it. It was... In oh. the back of my throat, and I felt it. It was, it was a disaster. I feel it. This is kind of like the most exciting masochist podcast, like eating right in the right? microphone. It's like, it is. I'm obsessed. Yeah. It's pretty great. I love that you're just like, I'm fucking... I just lean into it. You have to. Yeah. It's giving me like my way, but not abusive, you know? <laughs> like bring Sinatra, you know? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. you got I'm gonna it. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. Yeah. But like non-problematically. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the evolution. So... Always knew I loved hair. You know, I was really passionate about it. My family felt like, you know, you have to go to college. Mm -hmm. So I went to U of A in Tucson for a semester. Didn't go well. Came back, went to hair school. And I remember my the night before my first day of hair school, like thinking like, oh my God, what if I hate it? Yeah. Like, what if I don't like it? Like, what if I only think that I was going to like it and then I don't like it? And then... The first day that you go, you get this, like, fierce-ass, like, kit. Like, you got, like, your kit of all your stuff. <laughs> yeah. And this, I remember, I'm actually getting the chills telling it. When I laid eyes on my kit and, like, unzipped this, Tell me like, what's in the kit. It's, like, all of your shears, combs, like, all, like, I went to an Aveda Institute, so it was, like, all of your Aveda products, and we got all this makeup, all these makeup brushes. Yeah. Like, you got, like, a fucking, like, wax pot. You just, like, got all this shit. Like, everything you are going to need yeah. for, like, the next year. And when I opened that kit, I was like, oh my, this is the best day <laughs> of my fucking life. I was like, when do we get to learn how to cut some fucking hair? Yeah. I mean, I really loved it immediately. And as my gymnastics coach once told me, and this was very true for me of hair, she was like, I've never seen someone learn how to tumble, like, you know, flip, right. like with less natural ability. Like, <laughs> she was like, you get over on like sheer willpower and determination. <laughs> And for me, it's like, if I'm passionate about something, I will fucking figure it yeah. out. Like, but I'm never really that good at it, right? But I just am like relentless in my pursuit of like learning the thing. Yeah, so that's kind of what I did with hair. And it was, I've just never fallen out of love with it. I love that you discover that at such an early age without kind of knowing that you were going to be good at it and then like in, ended up excelling. I mean, I walked into a Sephora the other day and your products are there. Like, uh, I mean, to go from something that's like, I think this is something I might want to do to your products in stores across the world. Especially Sephora. That was like my... Huge! That one I still like, you just can't even believe sometimes. So, but this idea, like a lot of times I see on Instagram with hairdressers, like, you know, don't we don't do stuff for free. Like, all of my celebrity clients that I first started doing off were like, a lot of times you do shit for free. Yeah. Because you're like trying to get your name out there. So just like, sure. don't be afraid of like, you got to like put yourself out there. And sometimes you do take a hit. And then once you like have your, like you have something to stand on, like that's right. when you're like, it's this much an episode or it's, yeah. this is what I charge for a haircut. And, but you got to like start somewhere. So I just, you can't be too afraid to like start. Well, sure. I mean, it's the same as, as being an actor. I mean, I, I started doing stage work. That, that I'm a theater actor first before anything else. And, like, the amount of, of workshops and things that I did for free, or did I literally got paid in subway cards yes. at, at one time. Yeah, they gave me a, literally an envelope full of, like, metro cards. That's just what it was. You know, I, I am grateful for the opportunity. I wasn't trying to pull, like, a Kim K. No one wants to work anymore. But I do think sometimes, like, we, like you could be getting paid way more for, but it's like, I do it right. for the experience or to like learn something. Right. And sometimes like, that's even like a bigger like reward. But oh yeah, but to the question of 
was at a left turn to do comedy. Margaret, I'm doing her hair that, you know, from season two on, and the whole time she's like, girl, you are a comedian. When I sit and you do my hair, like, you're doing sets that whole time right. and you don't even know it. Like, you just right. gotta, like, write it down and beat it out and you could do it. Um, and she gave me my first opportunity to get up at, like, the, the Irvine Improv in, like, 2016. I did, like, three minutes. I almost passed out. I was, yeah. like, I was not ready to do it. Um, God, and then I did... so stressful. And then I did, like, a couple other, like, <laughs> little open mics here and there. I was like, oh, I really like this. I skipped, like, the comedy club stage and went straight to, like, improv and, like, Radio City. But I had been doing stuff, like, on open mic nights and doing, like, littler things. Uh -huh. And, like, yellow salad is the crunchiest salad of all it's time. It's very crunchy. It's very garlicky too. It's delicious. So delicious, I cannot even get enough. That's amazing. I always find, I mean, you know, the hair and makeup trailer on set mm. was always the place where like so much gossip happened. Mm -hmm. Did you collect a lot of like ridiculous stories? Yes, and I love, <laughs> and I love, like salon talk, salon life, salon gossip yeah. with salon people. I just love so much. Right. It's like one of my favorite things about JV and hair, like just getting to be around like more salons, more hair people. I also just started like a new like thing for my getting curious pod, like which is pretty curious where I get to talk to like other hairdressers and other beauty founders. Cause like yeah. being in the salon and talking shit is like my favorite thing to do. I mean, it is art and then it's science. Yeah. And then also you're like kind of quiet a lot cause you're trying to focus. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just love salon culture. And so that's kind of like pretty curious JVN hair. Like a lot of my YouTube, like I'm always looking to like how I can scratch that, you know, without like being in the salon. Right, right, right. Not that I'm like, I mean, I would love to be in a salon. It's just like opportunity came a knock and I'm like doing all these other things. And would then, you really like to go back into a salon? Yes. And it needs to be like, it's just like a yes and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, when you can also write comedy and like go tour and like go do other things that the, you're like, I think I've learned a lot about like what, like how far I can push myself. Sure. And the salon is like hard as fuck. Do you think it's the hardest thing you've ever done? I think what I'm doing now is like hard. They're all hard in their own ways. But I mean, in the salon, I was like me and one assistant doing like eight or 10 people's hair a day. I was my own like front desk, my own like salon manager. Right. Like it's really intense, like hard labor. Like it's right. hard And hard when you were work. starting off, um, I know that you were, you know, you were a different person. You had substance abuse problems, um, you know, but you're also trying to start a career, which is incredibly difficult, trying to make a name for yourself. Um, talk to me a little bit about just like that time of your life and, and sort of trying to discover who you are um, while you're also battling with things that are going on in, in you. Yeah, I think the universe like kind of knew like to not give me too much success when like my shit was still really unbalanced. Oh, interesting. So my stepdad died in 2012. That's like when I found out I had HIV and that was like really my basement and like all of my stuff was really like around there. Luckily, because I'd been trying for a long time, my stepdad had been in program for like 28 years when he died. Mm. So I like grew up like coloring, coloring books like outside of like you know, meetings and like, obviously sobriety didn't like, um, I'm more of a harm reduction queen. Yeah. My yep. thing is like, as long as I, you know, anything that makes me go up, she ruins my life. Yeah. Uh, but you know, a little bit of alcohol and weed for me, like yeah. I, I really like, I don't know if anyone's ever heard about it, but adult children's of addicts, it's like ACA and you like make like your own sobriety plan, but you're still like working the steps. So I did that program for like a year and I got so much healing around that and like learned so much about harm reduction. And I was like, yes. So luckily though, like I was still on that path, but that being said, like I'm a very compulsive person. So mm -hmm. it reminds me a little bit of like whack-a-mole, you know, like it always like kind of yeah. changes and ebbs and flows. Like it's just more about like the shopping and the food really came in hard <laughs> once she got the money, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like meth, honey, that's like so 2010. It's like really <laughs> like, it's really about like 
the impulsive jewelry decisions that are going to probably right. have me being in my mom's basement, you know? They seem a little healthier, though, right? It's like, yeah, no, I do a whole set in my in my tour about, like, you know, harm reduction and, like, buy jewels, not meth. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's like a whole beat that I <laughs> Different do Different types of rocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And these ones are so much better because they come from the Earth's crust. <laughs> Here's another thing that this man said in rehab, which I loved. He's like the speaker. He's like, not knowing why I was an addict did not make me crazy. Needing to know mm. why I was an addict is what made me crazy. Interesting. Yeah, it's like, it's kind right. of like letting go of your narrative. Cause like, I think mm -hmm. I, I was so attached to my narrative and my trauma for so long, but like really it was like learning to let it go. Right. How do you stay on top of it now for yourself? Therapy, lots of therapy. Yeah, me too. I just started therapy. Like maybe a year ago. Good for you. Yeah, no, it's been really helpful for me. Yeah, me yeah. too. First of all, I love how you're such a an ambassador, I guess, in some ways, about being HIV positive. I I, I think visibility is so wildly important. Um, obviously, we're living in an era where it's much more different to be HIV positive now than it was ten years ago. Right. Talk to me a little bit about you were you were diagnosed uh, with HIV uh, in 2012. And then you didn't come out publicly to the media and press about it till 2019. Well, to what? be fair, no one really knew who I was until like 2018. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I mean, but you, you were, I'm sure you were, you were telling your friends and your family. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Talk to me I mean, about- that was part of why I did talk about it yeah. because like I was so open about it in my life. And so I, it wasn't like it was ever a secret in my universe. And so that was also partly like why I was like, I want to talk about this on my own terms and just like wasn't sure if I was ready yet at the very beginning. And not that I was ever discouraged from doing so, but then after like a few experiences, I was like, fuck this, I'm like ready to talk about it. Yeah. And so then I did. Yeah. Well, I, I really wrote about it in my book, my first book, Over right. the Top, but then in oh, doing that's press you, for it that. It truly was like on your own terms, in your own words, yeah. in a long form with nuance. Yeah. That's great. But that's what was so interesting about it was, is that like, so in Over the Top, it was on my terms, but then I didn't realize until like a month before Over the Top came out that like, thank you, honey. Yeah. I was like, wait, so I'm going to, because obviously with the book coming out, my PR was like, it's really important that we partner with like the right person to like tell this story. Yeah. And so then the New York Times came along and I was like, well, Jesus, honey, like that is giving journalistic <laughs> excellence. But it never occurred to me that if I did that, like they would break my story. Right. Like I wouldn't break it. Like right. they would break it. Right. And I remember like I was already way too far in and like I think my publicist was just like, girl, don't you know? Like that's how it works. But I didn't know and I totally didn't get it. And it was how really feel for you to have crushing and an incredible stress I'm because sure. I did the interview maybe like a month before, but like it was the Emmys and I knew like they said like when the article would come out, but between like a Friday and a Sunday, so I didn't know like the minute and I was like doing red carpets and doing like tour stuff for my like comedy tour at the time and I was like I remember like I was going on, I think I was in like Canada just for last festival, but I was, I remember thinking like, is this news, is this article going to come out like when I'm on stage and like, I'm right. going to come off stage and like, everyone's going to like, mm -hmm. is there going to be some point when like everyone's going to know? And it ultimately happened. I remember we got back into New York at like six in the morning and then me and my best friend, who's also my makeup artist, like passed out on my couch, like on my fifth story, like walk up that I lived in in Chelsea at the time. And we passed out when I woke up, like my phone, I, I had like hundreds of missed calls. And like, I was like, oh my God, it's out. Even talking about it now, I'm like, oh, like I have like a pit in my stomach. And I, it, it so it was okay, it was cool. It was good, like it was. Was there any, was there a sense of relief that it was out as well or? Yeah, it was, it really was like kind of like a Twilight Zone. Cause then I like went on like the, like 
the book tour, and then I was like, and yeah. Was, then you're asking. To, I'm sure that was the and first also my question cat had just like died tragically, oh, which was like also insane. Yeah, like it was just like such a weird time. Yeah. And I look back on it now, and girl, that yeah. was really. It was just like the weirdest like three months that, yeah. and and I really after the book came out, and this is what I read a, a lot about in Over the Top is that like as ready as I thought I was. And my whole team, I remember my mom especially, like I tried out for the talent show in sixth grade and I ended up making it with this incredibly stirring, interpretive, bad belly, <laughs> off ice figure skating, yeah. uh, hybrid dance form that I made yeah, up yeah, yeah. to this like jewel song. And I remember my mom sitting me down and being like, if you make this talent show, like you're never gonna live this down. Like these kids are never gonna forgive you for this. And similarly, when I wrote my book, she was like, honey, if you like, there's no taking this back. Yeah. And like and like you don't have to do this. Like I know you want to help. I know you want to like but you don't have to do this. And a lot of people said that to me and I was like I'm ready. Like wow. and HIV stigma we were doing this. Right, right, and then right. afterwards like the vulnerability hangover was so intense. It was January 2020 because it came out in like September of 2019 and when the tour was over and when like that comedy tour was over I was like I never wanted to leave my house yeah. again. Like, I, I'm happy I did it now, but there was, like, a good, like, six months to a year there where I was really traumatized. And also, like, in our in our community, like, there was a few times where, like, people really weaponized it against me. Like, mm. making jokes on Twitter, just, like, memes. Like, because like, actually, like, some of the worst shit people have ever said to me was, like, from in our community. Like, yeah. way worse than Trump people. Yeah. Um, and that's been weird because, like, I love our community and I'll fight for our community, like, no matter what. Like, whenever, however. And we I know also know they, how to hurt each other the exactly. most. Exactly. And it's like, it, so that was just like, I had heard stuff before and I'd seen stuff before, but once I was like open about my status and having people making jokes about like dying of full-blown AIDS or just really like, that fucked me up. And it fucked sure. me up for a while. Yeah. There's so many times where I used to get headlines where I'm like, I'm never doing that shit again. Like that felt bad. Like I will keep my opinions to myself for right. a Right, right. Unless it's about queer rights. Right, of course. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and do you feel, I mean, you sort of spoke to it a little bit, but do you feel like society's doing a little bit better or worse than... than Markedly so much worse. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so stressed yeah. out. Yeah. I'm, Jesse, I'm so stressed the fuck out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think there are reasons to hope, but I'm also kind of shitting my pants. Like, I can't tell. Well, I'm I'm such an optimist, so I, I try to look for the silver lining everywhere, but I'm in the same place where I just, I'm very discouraged and scared. It's giving full circle, though, not to interrupt. And it's yeah. like, been, but it's only because I'm obsessed with you and I like, I'm like really into chatting. I like get so excited. And then I can't <laughs> not interrupt. It's no, not one of my better parts of my personality. But we've been talking about this on our pod and like, especially when it comes to gender affirming care, because when we were talking about Texas yeah. at the beginning, that's one of the things that I'm like the most concerned about because it's like, first you have like the the court and then you have like the court of appeals and like the district court and then it's a supreme court and ways that cases get fast tracked to the supreme court is when the circuit courts so like the first circuit the second circuit the third the fourth the fifth when circuit courts rule like opposing decisions it gets like fast tracked and so some of these gender affirming care bans have been upheld and like allowed to go into effect but then other ones have been struck down and similar with drag performance yes but the point is is that there's gonna with all of these anti-trans and anti-queer bills. And because a lot of them are in conservative seats that are in different circuit courts, we now have a Supreme Court that has a 6-3 majority mm -hmm. that has shown that like they don't give a fuck about separation of church and state. And they've ruled it time and time again, especially with 303 versus Linus or Elinus or however you say it. But this court's bad. And I think that they're, you know, Biden, is he exciting? Like, 
for me, yeah, he gets me soaking fucking wet. Actually, <laughs> I want him to. I want him and Jill to run a fucking train on me. Actually, and our, and our lack of enthusiasm for him is pissing me the fuck uh, off. Is there other people who I would like love to fantasize about? Yeah, I was like the biggest Elizabeth Warren queen yeah. I know. Like, do I like Bernie's ideas like way fucking better? You're goddamn right, I do. But here's the thing, folks. This is where we fucking are, and I do think that there's a lot of people. No offense, that are in our circles in New York and in California that think, is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Like I can tell you, undoubtedly in Texas from being on the ground, yeah. you're talking to a girl who like goes to the Capitol in Texas. Like I talk to parents of trans kids regularly that have left states. And what about the people, the parents of trans kids who cannot afford to pick up and leave That's states? Right. Cause I talked to those parents too. And trans rights, 100%, but also the fact that we don't realize that trans rights are inextricably tied to women's rights and abortion rights. 100%. This has happened, like, together. And so, like, just the amount of comfort that I see people taking and, like, well, I live in California or I live in New York and, like, I can get an abortion if I need one or my friends. Like, y'all, that, like, people's lives are on fucking fire. Mm -hmm. Your fellow Americans, because, and, like, it's, like, gerrymandering like minority rule we're, now we're seeing this like Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin who like they're, these Republicans are literally trying to impeach this woman because she said that these maps were gerrymandered so have you heard about this? Yes, yeah, yeah so yeah. like because she said that the maps have been rigged they wanted her to recuse herself from these two cases in the Wisconsin Supreme Court about their like gerrymandered fucking and so in there well if you don't do it we're gonna impeach you right. and because of gerrymandering they have a super majority in the state house and the senate and they have the power they actually have the exact amount of senators that they need to do that right and this so that's what I mean it's like it's a long term game we gotta fucking mm -hmm. be calm and I hate to be one of those people that's like the media but like the more hits and impressions you make the more you can sell ads for like I come from a broadcasting family mm -hmm. you're worth more when you get more traffic to your site and negative headlines because of our yes. survival bias get more traffic than one that's like he's doing great or someone's doing great right. so if we could just like stop being ageist and cunts to the Biden administration mm -hmm. and more like trigger everyone's fear from the fact that like there's a six fucking three real supermajority in the Supreme Court right now and these conservatives are coming out every fucking week being paid off by billionaires who get money from dark fucking money and they're busting unions they busted your fucking female family members right to get a goddamn abortion yeah. in like 27 fucking states in this country and if you don't think they are coming for you next honey yeah. get it together <laughs> so if we could just make some more like media that's more like that as opposed to being like oh but he's so old and like he doesn't give me a boner President Biden right. with all due respect I will suck your dick <laughs> right now you have gotten these fucking you have gotten this shit passed if Jill wants to watch, so fucking be it. He's probably going to follow me on Instagram right now once he hears this because President Biden does, in fact, follow me on Instagram. So maybe we should edit all of this out. But I'll just say this. Um, he has done a lot. Uh, and I do think he's our best chance at, like, keeping Trump out of office. And I'm, like, yeah. really concerned. Yeah, no, 100%. But I'll just say, it's not just... Obviously, the federal elections, but wherever you live, yeah. it is so your state elections, too. Absolutely. That's where so much of the carnage is. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, fuck, I, I'm one of these fucking coastal elites, bitch. I'm in L.A., mm -hmm. I'm in California. What am I going to do? There's this thing called Sister District. And do you know about Sister District? I do, yeah. I'm so obsessed with Sister District. I love Lala Wu, uh, Gabby Goldstein, they founded Sister District. I'm like huge cheerleader of them, but you can donate your time, your money, your resources. They pair like swing districts and swing states with people who are like 
your LA's, your New York's, like your very progressive Queens and progressive places where like they don't even need your vote anymore because they're so progressive, you right. know? They pair them with people who really need the support and the resources for phone banking, mm-hmm. resource sharing. Um, so they, great. And yeah. also like on off election years, they really help to facilitate, um, oh my God, mutual aid. <clears throat> oh, so there's weeks. like, this is a huge off election year in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Their entire state house and Senate is up for grabs. Danica Rome, the first openly transgender state elected official ever in history is from Virginia. She has a really anti-trans guy running against her. But yeah, so if you're just like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out listening to JBN living in Texas and this is so stressful and what can I do to help a queen? Donate to Sister no, District. Such great advice. Please. And thank you for mentioning that. I um, love them so much. Now for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, I'll talk to Jonathan about an interesting airport moment they had and learn more about their spiritual side. Okay, be right back. One of the first things I do when I get to a new country is find out where the locals eat. These are usually the places that don't accept reservations, but they reward you with an incredible culinary experience. A great way to get this type of experience is trying Explore Worldwide, which is organized small group adventures led by local tour leaders, giving you a rich and authentic experience. I feel so lucky that I get to travel with my family and experience the food, art, and culture that different countries offer. I hope that my kids, as well as myself, will always be a student of the world. Local knowledge and respect for local culture can make all the difference when exploring a new country, and this is what Explore makes sure of with their local tour leaders. Whether it's a food and wine tour in the hilltop towns of Tuscany, or cooking dosa in India under the watchful eye of the tour leader's mother, Explore takes care of everything, putting the quality of their local tour leaders front and center so you'll truly understand the wow factor of where you are. If you're thinking about your next adventure, head to exploreworldwide.com to find out more. Don't you just love it when someone looks at you and says, hmm, something's different about you. What were you up to last night? Well, no matter how late you were up the night before, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops can help your eyes look more refreshed and awake than ever. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute to help your eyes look brighter and wider for up to eight hours. No wonder it has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. You won't believe your eyes, and you know you can trust them because they're made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lohm, and they're backed by six clinical studies. Eye doctors trust them too. They're the number one recommended redness reliever eye drop. The one and only Lumify is an amazing drop that will have people saying... Something's different about you, but in the best possible way. So check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. Oh my God. That looks so luxe. Thank you. You're welcome. This is crazy. Prettiest thing we've ever seen in our life. I'm going to eat a lobster in front of a microphone now. This Uh, is, we're at a whole other level now. So wet. Were you, were you raised to be politically invested or was that something you had to learn yourself? I just felt so frustrated being in such a rural space. It was yeah. like, so uh, I just really like information. and yeah. But then the information that I get pisses me off. So then I can't stop talking about it. Which is why your podcast is so brilliant and you're so great at it because you're bringing all of these different topics. Anything from like, why is the Titanic so interesting to like what's going on with the Supreme Court today to Sister District. I mean, this is it, it's just whatever you're curious about. Yes. Like, I love that it's through the lens of very relatable, uh, obviously hilarious vessel. 
<laughs> and I, I appreciate you doing it. Thank you. Um, you talked a little bit about, first of all, your childhood is so relatable to me because I wasn't obsessed with gymnastics or um, ice skating or anything, but my sister was. Mm. So she had like all of the, like the Kim Zemeska posters in her oh, wall. Oh, 1991 <laughs> world champion. <laughs> Um, Dominique Dawes. Oh like my God! First American gymnast to win a medal in three consecutive Olympic games. Ninety-two team bronze. Ninety-six team gold and floor individual bronze. Two thousand team bronze, Look but not rewarded until two thousand and eight when they realized that two gymnasts from the Chinese team were underage, honey. So our fourth place finish in the team competition got upgraded to bronze. Go fucking Dominique Dawes. <laughs> awesome, awesome, as they said. That's right. Fucking love her. I love it. But I was around so much of it. It sort of permeated like my own life. And you were talking about um, my sister would like learn gymnastics routines and do them in the living room. Uh, yes. Just, and of course, like she couldn't do the full passes of you know the tumbling in the living room. So she would like walk from one side of the room Mark to the it. other, then do the, the it's called marking it. Jesse. Marking it. Yeah. <laughs> And she probably could, just so you know. She uh -huh. probably could. She, she probably just, she just didn't want to go full out to yeah, keep yeah, her yeah. injury free. What next? What next? Well, talk to me a little bit about going. You see, your work takes you to, like, you know, very uh, interesting places that you might not normally go as, yes. as just yourself with your husband. Have there been um, interactions that you've had either on television or just privately that have been challenging for you and there are private moments that, that have also meant something to you? Oh my God, so many. I mean, most often like people are really incredible. Here's one really bad interaction I had. This is really Tell fucking me. funny, you guys, you'll love this. So the other day I met Newark and I'm with my assistant and we had had a long few days. And when I'm saying long few days, I mean long fucking few days. I was on comedy tour and I was doing JVN hair stuff where I was like doing like classes with like Sephora people and like doing like classes on like how to style hair. Like get off the plane, go like perform stand up. Then the next day get up at like four in the morning, go to another city, like go do like three stops at these Sephora's. Like I'm teaching all these, but it's like, you gotta have a another lot of plane, shit. Another plane, another plane. Yes, another it is like plane. that. And, I, and, and cause it's like, it's enough when you're just doing comedy alone, but like I'll be doing like, you know, all these different things in like yeah. one weekend. So, and it's like just me and my assistant. So we're like working hard to be on time to like get it done, you know, be perky, arrive like, you know, bushy-tailed, like, bright-eyed. And we were flying back to Austin, and this fucking woman comes up to me. And you know, like, you're just like, you're like, I don't want to fucking talk right now. Yeah, and I was yeah. giving that energy. Like, I had my headphones on, but I wasn't listening to anything. I was just talking to Anne, and we were, like, laughing about, like, some things. That, yeah, that's yeah. my assistant. And we're chatting, but I was giving, like, oh, my God, energy. And then this lady comes up, and she's she's like, and I, I didn't want to be rude, so I, like, took my headphone, and I was like, hi. And she was like, I just had to tell you that the Lord put it on my heart this morning. I was going to run into a celebrity at this airport. He said, Lauren, you're <laughs> going to see a celebrity at the airport today. And I just don't know if you've ever met the good Lord, but if I could just pray over you oh. to show the good Lord, I would love to pray with you. And I was like, Lauren, I'm not going to pray with you today. <laughs> oh but if you'd like God. to take a selfie, I'd be happy to take a selfie with you. Right. Uh, and she was like, uh, then we took this like selfie and I was like, nice to meet you. Uh, and she left, uh -huh. but then her husband came back and he was like, you know, she just really, the, the love of Christ is deep. And I was like, honey, the love of Christ is in me too. I do not need to pray with you today. Right. Okay. I'm so in fuego for Christ to make your fucking head spin. <laughs> like I love Jesus. You're preaching to the fucking choir. I would, Jesus could run a train on me with all 12 fucking saints. <laughs> Right now, John, Luke, Paul, all of them, honey. 
love him. I'm the president of the fucking fan club. In fact, I look just like a 16th century representation <laughs> of a white Jesus. So I fucking love him. I am a very spiritual person. I actually really do think Jesus is pretty cool. I'm not even sure if I'm not Christian. I don't know. Right. Maybe I am. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to ask if you're religious. I'm not sure. I mean, I definitely spiritual. I mean, I went to Christian sports camp every summer. I've accepted Jesus into my heart lots of times. So like oh. on judgment day, like if it goes down, y'all are fucked. I'm totally going to heaven because like <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'll forgive my, he'll like forgive my sins or whatever. Like, so what? It's fine. Um, is dessert next? When's dessert? Yeah, dessert. No. Are you ready for dessert? I mean, I just, I need, I just wanted to flag that we. This that I is do so want, spicy. I just do want dessert at some point. No, it's no, it's not too spicy. It's so spicy though. I love it. It's great. Mm. Oh my god, mm. it's huge. Mm. This thing's massive. They did warn me. They said that lobster is very big. I definitely can relate to, especially now since I have a family. You know, trying to keep my life private but also be respectful of fans who have given me a career that I love so much. I mean, if these people weren't watching my show, I would not be Mm. able to do the things I was doing. I mean, it it definitely is a tricky thing that I feel like obviously people who are in the public eye have to go through. but to be clear, I try to come pray your hands at Jesus over me. Like, I need saving because you think I'm like a big old trans right. sinner who's like got HIV and is like a big old destitute nightmare. Right. Because that was the energy they were giving me. And I was like, I don't need your saving. I know everything you're going to say. Mm-hmm. And I don't need you to lay hands right. and pray for Jesus' salvation. Right. 99.999% of everyone else is like incredible. And I take yeah. selfies 50 million times a day and I don't complain about it. And I love the yeah. people. And it's like, fine. Not that you, it, it is a tricky balance, but. I just didn't mean to sound like an out-of-touch nightmare. I do think it's also hard sometimes when someone will come over and tell me that they're a fan of the show and kind of want something from me. And, like, I have to exit out of a, a, a moment that is difficult and painful to give this person a good experience with me so that when they leave, they don't think how Oh, I was going to say yeah. about that just really quick. In that New York Times article, so I was in the middle of telling this reporter about, like, contracting HIV. At the Empire Diner, <laughs> like oh just like God. right down at Chelsea, where I do this interview with him, and these two girls come up and they're like, "We love you so much! Like, can we please have a selfie?" And I'm like, I'm like, I get a tear trickling down my oh eye. My I'm like, literally, like talk, telling someone about my HIV experience, like outside of my like you know world for the yeah. first time. And he's like, with the New York Times, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! So I said to them, I was like, Queens, I was like, I'm so sorry. This is like a really weird conversation. I probably won't do a selfie at the moment, but I adore both of you yeah. like so much. And yeah. like thinking, I was like, namaste. And then he, but I really meant it. I was like trying to be sweet. And then he put that in the fucking article. And then all of these people were like, came to me afterwards and were like, oh, like you don't really like selfies. Like, so then a lot of people afterwards would talk to me about how like, I don't really like selfies, but really the point of the articles that I was living with HIV. And right. they got to the part of me like, and that is an interesting press thing of like, Anytime a celebrity ever says, like, the picture thing, like, I still remember, like, Justin Bieber headlines from, like, 10 years ago when, like, if he said, like, I don't want to take pictures. And I even remember then thinking, like, ew, what, like, a high and mighty thing of him to say. But it is really interesting being on, like, both sides of it. But that is, like, one of those clickbaity things, and it's, like, a conversation starter. So it's, like, it can be, like, an article. It can be, like, a thing if you, like, weren't as nice as you needed to be in. Thank you. Wait, what is this? Lemon cheesecake for dessert. That's a cheesecake? It's like, is it cake episode? (laughs) Oh my God, it is. Don't mind if I do, darling. That one, wait. I want to ask you about your children's book. But yeah, Peanut. 
They're yeah. only banned in like seven counties. And <laughs> I want to talk about that. So Peanut Goes for Gold is about a guinea pig. It's for the gold. I know, but yeah, Peanut Goes for the Gold. There's like a little non-binary rhythmic gymnast guinea pig. And it, this book was banned. And well, I voted to ban it in St. John's, Florida, but I think it didn't make it. Well, consider the source, yeah. But then I think, I think it has been caught up in a few book bans since, actually. Right, right, right. I was part of the show on Broadway called the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. And I was in the original cast and I helped develop the show. And I play a an autistic kid, like at 12 years old in a spelling bee. And then I also played the gay dad of one of the other contestants. Like I, I, I doubled roles. And I found out, I don't know, like six months ago, there was a production of this, this musical that was being done in a high school. And the PTA decided to call off the production because it had mature themes. Mm. And it could be a little blue in places. You know, there's definitely some adult humor in there. But the authors, they offered a children's version of the show so that middle school and high schools could do it without worrying about... Like, there was a song about this kid singing about his my, his unfortunate erection that, like, made him mess up spelling bee. And so there, there's other versions of the show that are available. And so it became very clear to us very early on that the reason that they didn't want to do the show was because of the gay dads. Mm. And long story short, they ended up being able to, I think, the thing got national exposure, actually. And I think that the, the school board ended up having a little bit of pressure and they, they went forward with the show. But the fact that it took so much to um, allow this very innocent piece of art to be presented in a high school really... I was like, we, we can't start doing this. Like, th this can't be the way we handle things that are controversial or that are challenging or that, that represent things that we don't necessarily um, relate to. I found it very disturbing. And so, like, you know, when I read that, you know, this book, it, even if it's ban banned one library, your book, I, I find I mean, it don't really talk about dangerous. Gender. It's just that Peanut uses they, them pronouns, so we never talk about it. I just gave right. them they, them pronouns. We never talk about it. Right, right, right. They have great clothes. I'm going to say something really... Embarrassing and truthful uh -huh. and okay. So you're just talking about this like really important thing like yeah. that whole time. Yeah. About this like play being banned, like you know, banning we're fucking banning books are being plays out in these fucking streets. Yeah. All I could think about was how good that cheesecake was the whole time. <laughs> and also between my martini and the cheesecake, like, is that why all these like white women don't care about trans rights and gay rights and stuff? Cause like <laughs> We're just like out here eating cheesecake and drinking martinis. <laughs> then you just like forget. Like, Cause like literally it wasn't hitting me with the same severity. Like after one martini <laughs> and like that cheesecake, I was like, could it be that bad? Like <laughs> maybe like, that's all we need. Make a fucking cheesecake. You'll be fine. Like go open a gay only school and do your fucking play there. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, who am I? Like I'm a chair. Like I think that's what it is. I think, and you know what it is too. I learned from this neuroscientist. She's like a brain scientist. If we don't get the right sleep, we can't learn new stuff. And alcohol affects your sleep. So I probably am just crazy. Yeah. At this point, I'm probably just, I don't even know. I'm so concerned. We're all like, we're just, we're not getting the right sleep. Wait, I totally lost my train of thought. I have no idea where to go well, now. Do we have the most fun of all time? <laughs> well, I mean, of course we did. I knew this would be a ball. I mean, I had the most fun of all time. Next time I see you, I can't wait to tackle you and just give you so many kisses. I'm just I'm I want to so get tackled by Jesse Lambert yesterday. <laughs> I'm so thrilled that we know each other now. Me too. I love you so much. And I fall. Now that I found you, I'm never. I just, I adore you. I love you too. <laughs> Next time on Dinners on Me, Queen of Broadway. <laughs> Adina Menzel. Well, I just cracked myself up, didn't I? 
We'll get into her iconic Broadway roles and so, so much more. I'm really excited about this one. And if you don't want to wait until next week to listen, you can download that episode right now by subscribing to Dinners on Me Plus. As a subscriber, you not only get access to new episodes one week early, you'll also be able to listen to them completely ad-free. Just click Try Free at the top of the Dinners on Me show page on Apple Podcasts to start your free trial today. Dinners on Me is a production of Neon Hum Media, Sony Music Entertainment, and A Kid Named Beckett Productions. It's hosted by yours truly. It's executive produced by me and Jonathan Hirsch. Our showrunner is Joanna Clay. Chloe Chobel is our associate producer. Sam Baer engineered this episode. Hans Dale Shee composed our theme music. Our head of production is Sammy Allison. Special thanks to Alexis Martinez and Justin Makita. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Join me next week. 